you know, it's crazy. And, you know, I'll let you kind of take over here a little bit and give me your thoughts. But the fact that you said that to me is the, what I'm going to say next is kind of just my ability to communicate and create conversations got 10 times better when I was less worried about talking, more worried about listening. Mm. A million times better. Hello and welcome back to your favorite podcast. It's the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I'm your co-host, CK, a.k.a. Coach Kyle. It's your boy, Anwar Ahmed, a.k.a. A Squared. And, oh, A Squared, duh. He's got, the, he's got the line there. Don't get it wrong, A Squared, duh. What's going on, everyone? Welcome. Today, we are bringing you back into another conversation. We're going to unpack today the value of effective communication the power of conversation, and the importance of healthy conflict resolution, regardless of who it's with. But before we get into that conversation, you know what time it is. It's Moonshack. What's going on? C to the K to the K to the K. Couch Kyle, what's going on, man? Tell me about your video. How you doing? Okay, okay. What's your mood like? That's my theme song right there, right there. I like that. That was good. What's my mood, Jack? Oh man, mood check, mood check, mood check, folks. Mood check time. What's my mood today? I am feeling. Uh, you know, I'm I'm practicing something new, which I know sounds weird, but it's helping and it's how affecting my mood in a positive way. I'm I'm practicing thought creation, and. That might sound weird. People are like, oh, thoughts are intrusive and, you know, thoughts always come through and like, oh, I'm always trying to manage my thoughts. And I really think that this is a cool concept because uh, as a coach and as a support line for people, I think that a lot of times we blame our thoughts for influencing whether we go left or we go right or influencing the way we feel X, Y, Z. And what I noticed is that as I create thoughts in the morning, like I intentionally write down in my journal now, I'm back to journaling creating thoughts that I want to think about in the day. It's helping me navigate my day more smoothly. There's, there's less of a reaction to most things because there is this saying, you, you are what you think about, right? You are your repeated thoughts. That's basically how your behaviors and your beliefs are created. And so what if you were to create just brand new thoughts? Now, I'm not necessarily talking affirmations, like, I'm not saying I am powerful and I am courageous. Like I'm, I used to say those things and they helped, but it didn't really align with like, what's a thought that you would have. Like having a thought during the day is not, I am incredible. It's like, um, I am providing really good value and people want to hear what I have to say. Something like that. That's a thought that I would have that would make me feel X, Y, Z. And then I would act X, Y, Z. Um, and it, the simplicity of that is actually making me feel great. So doing that this morning, waking up and doing that, um, I feel, I feel fantastic. I feel ready for the day. I feel centered. I feel good. Yeah. It almost kind of sounds like affirmations a little bit, you know, it does. Yeah. Consciously um, creating a thought that you want to lean into or that, you know, empowers you, that makes you feel good. That makes you, that gives you direction for your day or, or your week or, or your month. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that 
kind of sounds like affirmations, but in a different way, a little bit affirmations are a little bit more of like a, a belief system where this mm. is more of like a, it's more transient. It's a thought you can, you can have that right now. You can make it right now mm-hmm. where I feel like affirmations live in a place of like a belief system, like more of like a mm-hmm. religious type of thing that you want to believe in, like to your core um, yeah. where thoughts are a little bit more daily. It sounds like. But I like, like a, the idea a spiritual of practice. Yeah, that's what I find it about affirmations. I still appreciate my spiritual practices, but I found that the concept of affirmations uh, came with a loaded mentality. It came with a loaded mindset. Like people don't like them. People have their opinions on them and that influences the way I see it and everyone else sees it and talking about it. People are like, well, that's bullshit. Affirmations are bullshit. And there's so many different revolving windows around Uh, affirmation but i don't feel like you can do the same kind of revolving window concept with your thought like it's your thought Uh, and so if you were to repeatedly create the thoughts you want to have then your mind is then programming itself to create more of those kinds of thoughts Um, so it's not like i'm an affirmation in the morning and then all of a sudden my mind's affirming all of these things throughout the day i don't i didn't i never found that but as i've revolved more and more into this or involved myself more into this it's creating without me even trying it's just happening throughout my day. I'm just jumping back to the thoughts I've created in the morning without even really trying. It's just the part of the conditioning process. So it's been really cool. So I, you know, I don't want to uh, make it sound like it's toxic positivity or that I'm negating any experience. It's it's just kind of the way in which I think thought creation uh, is working for me, and it leaves me feeling great. And if I'm feeling great, what kind of action am I going to take, right? So that's the plus side of it. That's really what I'm doing is for it to make me feel a certain way to then create something that I want to create or be a part of something I want to be a part of. So in summary, your mood check today is you're feeling great. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great today. In summary, I am feeling great. Yes. Okay. So you've created I, enough uh, thoughts to great. feel great today. I have created thoughts that are making me feel great. Yes, sir. All right. All right. <laughs> we'll rock with that. Um, my mood, my mood, my mood, my mood. Ah. <sighs> As I sit here in this moment, um, I feel like uh, I've been fighting recovery for the last like week or so because I've been uh, kind of had that situation with dengue fever on my way back from Mexico. Um, and I just haven't felt myself since that sickness. Like I felt like I've just been every day trying to pull myself, get a, get from a three to a four, get from a four to a five. Hmm. I haven't felt like a 10 in like so long. But mm. as I sit here today, I feel like a seven and it, it feels it feels like I'm trending in the right direction and it makes me feel good just because mm. if, you know, when you're sick and you're like, you don't know if you're going to get back to just feeling like how you love to feel. Yeah, it feels like it's going to last forever. Every time. Oh, every and, time. And, that, and you like, you start to like believe it for a little bit too. Like you wake yeah. up you're like, really <laughs> still not great. Like, Oh, this sucks. But I feel like today I made, you know, um, yesterday and today, the, the combination of the two I've made a big jump into going back into my swagger, being, mm. being feeling like myself a little bit. Um, and, you know, I think, I don't know if that was, you know, we got some really big news coming up for the modern masculinity audience. We had a massive mm-hmm. meeting yesterday with some people that were really, really, really excited about, um, you know, hopefully sharing uh, a platform with and things like that. So, you know, no spoiler alerts, but I don't know if the energy of those conversations, you know, really gave me a boost of energy or whatever the case may be. But um, overall, feeling really excited. Um, you know, winter is slowly coming to an end. I love, like I always say, March feels like a turning of a page for me. Once 
once I see March, I'm like, cool. <laughs> March Madness. It got I got massive birthdays in my life um, in the March April space. Um, spring comes upon us, and the next thing you know, you're back into summer, and you're you're part of the best parts of Canada. So, mm. um, and then you know the COVID thing is starting to look like it's about to you know March first. We got some really cool mandates coming out in um, Canada where there's no vaccine need and stuff like that. So I'm really excited to see what you know our new world looks like without some of these restrictions. And mm-hmm. um, I've been going back to a, a, a gym, a good life gym. And it's like airport security at this point, you know, you got a QR code, then you got to do your photo ID, and then you got to scan in your actual gym membership. And I literally said it to the girls like, listen, it's like being in an airport, like this is crazy. <laughs> she was like, March 1st, it's all gonna go away. And I was like, uh, that feels good. You know, just hearing that, like, okay, this like agony that we're, we've been going through is, is coming to an end. Um, but I do want to, I do want to say that it's very concerning what we're seeing in this whole Russia situation um, and, and the Ukraine and all of that. So there is a part of me that is also just feeling a little bit like sad for the world um, because it's just, it's just so intense, you know, and it's, you're reading all of these things. And, you know, I grew up in, in a city called Winnipeg. There's a massive Ukrainian community there. And, um, you know, all, all my friends who are Ukrainian or, you know, even my, even my, I mean, I have tons of friends who are Russian too. And this is just an awkward, uncomfortable time for everybody. Like, it's just a sad time. Um, and so I don't want to negate the feeling of like, I'm feeling great. And there's this thing going on in the background that like, it is bothering, it does bother me um, on the global world scale. So there's still a lot of uncertainty out there, uh, you know, and all we can do is put one foot in front of the other and just focus on, you know, our journey and our path and uh, be as empathetic to others as, as, as possible. So I did want to say, you know, I do empathize with what's going on in the world and we're not ignorant to the idea that something really big is going on out there. Uh, it's very sad. And I hope that, you know, we can find a resolution sometime soon because um, don't want to see people suffer anymore. Uh, but, but yeah, that's, that, that'd be the summary of how I'm feeling today and what my, what my thoughts are um, as I wake up this morning. Mm, beautiful thank you for sharing thank you for your honesty i appreciate that it's definitely a wild time this doesn't seem to get any less wild as the days go on does it all right my friends to get into the conversation today you know i find that this is incredibly interesting to have a conversation about conversations that's kind of really what we wanted to do today and even thinking about yesterday our conversation that we had was one that's been in the works for a long time and just having the conversation has actually changed everything uh, for the trajectory of where we're going and what's happening next so that's why we wanted to include this in the conversation and the way we kind of want to introduce introduce this is every great conversation starts with curiosity just being curious, wanting to know more information, asking a, a prodding question. But every great conversation starts with a great question. And today's is, you know, everyone talks about communication is the most important thing in relationships. But is that true? And what the hell does that even mean? What does that look like? That's what we want to talk about today. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to leave that with you for a second, Mr. A squared. Everyone always says communication is the key to relationships or the key of relationships. Um, from your relationship experience, friendship, family, uh, intimate partners, do you feel like that is actually true? First thing, I, I love that you included family, friends, mm. strangers, right? People's perception of what a relationship is, is very narrow very mm-hmm. narrow and you know and I, I i always try to tell people listen a relationship is anything out there your True. relationship with 
you know, yourself, your relationship with your friends, your family and intimate partner, they're all relationships. And they, they all kind of have like, you know, I know a lot of people that I see treat their significant other better than they treat, uh, you know, a random person in the street, or they treat their boss better than they treat their parents, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they carry a different energy uh, mm-hmm. about themselves. Like, oh, this is my employer. I'm going to have more patience for my boss, even though they're telling, you know, I don't like what they say. I don't like what they do. Meanwhile, my mom and my dad who loves me to pieces, it's, you know, screw off mom, it's screw off this. And they're as a parent, I would imagine being like, you have more respect for your boss than you do me. You don't even, mm-hmm. you, tr- you talk to your boss with more em- empathy and patience than you do with me. And that to me is when you are putting too much like value or not enough value on the whole idea of relationships. You know, mm, your relationship fair. with your boss is important. Your relationship with your parent is important. And when you make mm-hmm. one more important than the other, you act differently, you know? So love that you incorporated all those things. Now, how I feel about relationships and, and, and communication, I think it's everything. I think mm. yeah, I, I, I lean on the fact that it's everything. I think your ability to communicate in this world um, is the difference between how you interpret this world, you know, because good or bad, whether you, you, your ability to communicate and just figure out, okay, this is where I, this is what I feel. I'm willing to be changed. I'm willing to be, I'm willing to change my opinion or my thought on that. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to lean into a conversation that's uncomfortable because of the potential of growing as an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that in life, those who who can manifest conversations and can communicate how they're feeling or what they're thinking or um, how they perceive this world as 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 from their lens, how they were growing up, their upbringing, all of those things, the people who can do that the most effectively are the people who I think get to the quickest self-actualization or mm. fulfillment um, or purpose and passion and all of those things. Um, I think silence is the killer of all mm. life. You know, anytime you're silent, most things that are silent lead to a negative. In my opinion, most things that are verbalized lead to a positive. And mm. sometimes the process isn't pretty because you don't have the right words and you don't mm. have the right, mm. you don't know how to get into the right conversations, but yeah. the trajectory, the trajectory, in my opinion, is always positive. Mm-hmm. And I think silence, the trajectory for silence is typically negative. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just how I feel about it uh, overall. But, you know, yeah, you're and I think that everybody who, who knew who knows you and who's listening, including myself knew you were going to say relationship or sorry, communication is the best, most important thing, because you're a great communicator, right? Like you talk, with your friends you have big conversation you call people to have really long conversations you you're, you put yourself in those positions always to have and now obviously you, you're a podcast host right that is having conversations constantly um and i think what is a fascinating part of this journey a question for you to lead off of that is how did you even discover that communication was something that you were going to take on like and that, that sounds like a bit of a, a choppy worded question, but I think it's important to kind of reflect and analyze of like, how did you even become a great communicator? Like, what, what's the story there? Oh, I mean, I'm humbled by you saying that I'm, I'm a great communicator. I take, I take a lot of 
gratitude and that compliment. So I'll, I'll wear that first and foremost. Mm. So I appreciate that. Um, and I think that there's a lot more room for me to grow. You know, I don't think I was always a good communicator. I think that mm. my earlier life would have said that, you know, I had a lot of words to say, but I didn't really place them in the right place. But I was mm -hmm. willing to accept that, you know, my words maybe hurt somebody and I was willing to learn and be like, ooh. And that's where the emotional intelligence really kicked in for me. I thought that, you know, conversation and emotional intelligence were two things I kind of did simultaneously. I was mm -hmm. very aware of what I was saying and how it made somebody feel. And I would tailor right. my words accordingly. So I would express myself, watch a reaction on somebody's face and be like, not the reaction I wanted. So like, what did I, what, I caused the reaction with my words. So like, how can uh, I okay. How can I change the words to get a different outcome, you know, and then right. you just practice that over and over and over again. And you realize there's some expressions that I'm okay with. Sometimes I, I am trying to land in a place that like ruffles your feathers because I'm bothered mm -hmm. by what you had to say. So okay. when I see that expression, I'm like, no, I'm okay with those words in that order. I'm willing to accept how you feel right now. And I know that it's uncomfortable. We both feel awkward and I'm okay with that because I think that mm -hmm. the message is more important than how I feel right now. Um, where when I was more of a people pleaser, I could never get into a, a like, I hated being in any kind of negative conflict. So I would, wouldn't even talk until I had the perfect words that would hurt them the least amount, you mm -hmm. know, but as you get older, I realized that sometimes you just got to hear it, how, how it is, you know, and it's, and, and, and being a good communicator is saying less and getting more direct, you know, getting to the point of the problem, yes. you know, um, and actually being able to talk about it. And sometimes that involves sitting in in that feeling a little bit longer. It's sometimes it's an uncomfortable feeling to sit in. Um, and uh, to go back a little bit, I think one of the reasons why I valued communication so well was kind of a little bit of a crutch. I, I don't, I don't, I, that's how I was learning through life. I literally was one conversation at a time getting to my mm -hmm. next, getting to my next chapter. You know, I was never really an academic. It wasn't what to me, it wasn't pick up a book and read it. And that's how I was going to learn life. So, you know, when I looked at the landscape of figuring out like how I'm going to navigate this world, I just noticed that the fastest way to answers for me were conversations. It was mm -hmm. like, have a conversation with this person, they'll teach you something. And I just felt like I absorbed that information way quicker, way faster. And I could make my next decision quicker, you know, where things like, reading your way to, to to the answers or in the digital world that we live in today, I still really struggle in this digital world that we live in today. Because, you know, I, even though it's crazy, even though Google is the thing, like someone says something, and most will just grab their phone and Google it right away. That's it's still not my favorite way of figuring it out, even though it should be the fastest mm. way for me to figure something out. Because there's, like, I naturally don't like the idea of having to go do research like read something and Google something and, and read five articles on it and then be like, ah, I got it, you know, which mm -hmm. is how the whole world is learning life. Now I'm a little bit more of like an apprenticeship kind of guy. I'm like, I want to, I want to be side by side of someone who knows what the hell we're doing here. And let me ask this person as many questions and have as many conversations as I can with them to learn what I need to learn. That's mm -hmm. how, what feels like that, what feels natural to me. So every day is a, a bit of a grind for me to kind of, you know, get into this digital world and be able to keep up with the Joneses because we're learning so quickly in a digital way of just reading your way through it. And I know that as a weakness of myself. So, you know, I'm trying to get better at that. I might be a better communicator. I'm trying to get mm. better at being a better researcher and reading things and figuring things out on my own. And then ultimately being able to leverage my communication skills for based on right. what I learned. And, you know, that would be a, a, a future version of myself that I'm excited for. Um, but I think that that's how I kind of got to respecting and valuing conversation and communication because my whole life is a product of conversations and communication. Everything mm. I've ever achieved has come through that channel. Uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't always pretty. Um, 
you have to kind of make gotta gotta have a couple ugly conversations to have a couple good conversations so i just think mm. this is i've just put in enough reps to have you know more meaningful conversations in today's day so fair 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 i like that 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 speaks volume obviously to your process and you know something i want to jump back to is when you were talking about silence and the way in which silence operates and we know obviously with everything going on in the world there's a lot of judgment towards people being silent about certain things in the world and not being willing to have conversation and it speaks to the concept we're trying to get across today is the the importance of healthy conflict because healthy conflict is what helps just change the world uh, but i remember sharing a quote on here a while ago that i know you really liked about silence and i believe it goes the most silent or sorry the most deaf person is the one who's not willing to listen and that is i think speaks to this concept of silence is if we're not willing to speak um, then we're also at the same time we're not really willing to listen uh, they pretty much go hand in hand so if i'm having a conversation with you and i'm not willing to listen to you i'm also going to reflect how i'm going to speak to you i probably won't even give you much i'll just avoid the conversation which is one of the ways in which we handle conflict resolution and conflict management is being avoidant instead of being collaborative and having a conversation so i love that you brought that up silence is is such an interesting concept and like i remember reading somewhere or this quote exists everywhere i don't know where it was or how it came into my life but you know just remember hearing um, someone say for the first time, like you have two ears and one mouth for one, for a reason. Right. And I, it literally changed the whole trajectory <laughs> of everything that I was doing. Cause up until that point, I loved conversations and talking so much, but I wasn't ever, I would say I was probably 70% listening and 30% mm. thinking about my answer, you know, yeah. and just being like, ready to just like, be like, all right, turn it back my <laughs> way, turn it back my way. And you get really good at placing words in the right place. But what I realized is that I wasn't landing or resonating with people as, as effectively as I could have, because you're, mm -hmm. you're essentially summarizing in your mind what this conversation is about and then speaking. And right. in the summary, you can get close to the target. But when your mind is blank and you're fully invested in listening to somebody, by the time the microphone gets back to me, I'm way more efficient on what I want to say next mm -hmm. instead of rambling, right? Another, another way I viewed it was my response in the first 30 seconds that you were talking might be different by the time you're done talking. Right. And what I realized is that someone would be going on a rip, maybe let's say they're talking for three minutes and they said something at the 30 second mark that I'm now formulating a whole conversation around. So I'm not listening for like two and a half minutes now because I'm like getting my thoughts together over that first thing that I heard in the first 30 seconds. And then now by the time I speak, it's not relevant to the end of the conversation. They're like, did, did you even hear what I said? Like, yeah. I, I, like, you were giving me advice on the first 30 seconds. I told you I addressed the first 30 seconds and then this happened next. Mm -hmm. And it was just like this realization of like, this is what I mean by like, I, I got better at communicating was I, I was a great talker for a long time, but my, my, my bow and arrow was not always hitting the target. You know, I was firing mm -hmm. them, but I was not always hitting the target. And I think in the last couple of years have gone a lot more efficient and more effectively hitting the target because even though it's scary sometimes to so just just listen and not actually have because you're when the microphone comes back to you you're like it's improv at that point you're like god damn it like mm -hmm. podcasting sometimes it's like just listening to you and not having a response in my mind i'm like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter just wait till you get to the end wait till he gets to the end and then just speak on how you feel Mm -hmm. that's a muscle that you need to train because it feels very you feel like you need to have an answer so you just start 
formulating an answer. And then now you're so invested right. in your answer that you just stop listening. Um, That's so well said. That's so well said. I'm so happy you brought that up because that is such a, a relevant experience, I think, for literally every single human. And I, I literally touched that concept deeply. And I was thinking about it as you were talking about it. I was, I was doing exactly what you were talking about. And then I'm like, okay, he's talking about doing this. Don't do that. Just listen. <laughs> it, it was as if like you were telling me in the moment, just listen to the words that I'm saying. I'm saying them in this order and blah, 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 blah. Here's more words. And I'm like, okay, just listen, just listen. And I was formulating. I'm like, oh, I hear this. Perfect. And I'm like, oh, sh- sh- damn it. Now I lost the old one that I wanted to share. Cause now I'm listening to the new one. And it's like, the hilarity of the process is that uh, we're so dialed in on ourselves this whole pro- this whole time. And one of the greatest, I think, lessons we can learn about communicating is what we do with our desire to be heard um, rather than be a great listener. Like the great listening doesn't come first. It's being heard, being understood, being um essentially in so, in so many ways, it's, it's showing off our wisdom is showing off how much we know. And that's what we challenge ourselves with in this podcast too, is like listening to each other, being a good listener, trying to pull that point. And we struggle with it too. We learn every single episode of where we're doing it, where we're not. And we have to reel ourselves back in and then we get into deep conversation. And then, you know, we both love to talk. That's why we started this thing. Uh, but then at the same time, are we giving as much or value to each other, let alone the audience by just being great talkers? Or is there more to pull at by just listening to your experience and your story and your share and being and pulling out little pieces here and there and not worrying about having this huge, grandiose, powerful, inspiring, motivating, informational, wise answer to this person? Because it's really quite irrelevant in many ways, especially if you're not asked a question. You didn't ask me a question here. You just finished talking. So now my role is, okay, well, I can give more content and more context and more information, or I can ask you a question that shows I'm actually listening to you, which also just so everybody's clear, I haven't done yet. (laughs) I haven't done yet, but I know that experience. So what, and what I know for me, it originates from, it's just, it's my ego. My ego is part of this conversation. My ego is playing a much larger role than I would like it to, or than I would like to admit to it being. And I want to ensure that whoever I'm talking to, I support them, right? I help them with their problem. I am, I'm showing I am there for you. I am providing you value so that you come back and you don't abandon me, or you don't want to be my friend anymore because I'm not listening to you properly. Like I'm, or I'm not supporting you in the right ways, especially as a man, right? And at all the communicative spaces, we know we love to fix and solve and get to completion. So I am focused on what are the logistics to get there in all conversations with you, with my partner, with family, whoever it is, I'm just so focused on the completion of it, less about the process and the journey of what it looks like. Um, It's about, okay, I hear you. Here's logistically what I know I can say back. Then they'll probably say this back and we'll be complete. Like, how do I diminish it in so many ways? There's, there's so many different aspects to that. And so I'm so grateful that you brought that up. I think it's such an important part of this conversation. One thing I wanted to ask you, cause you know, obviously I'm a, I'm a single guy and I'm not in a, an intimate relationship. Um, but I do remember 
the energies. Um, you know, I think it's very different communicating with guys and communicating with women. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's, especially in a conflict resolution state, especially if you're in an intimate relationship with somebody, you know, emotions are very, very strong uh, in relationships and they, they make you communicate in a different way, sometimes very defensive, sometimes um, scared to say exactly how you feel from the fear of loss or abandonment. Um, what are your like key values in your guys's conversation in terms of like you and your partner and mm. you know how you guys communicate and you know i know you're also uh taking a, a new approach into your business by going into more relationship coaching and things like mm-hmm. that so what do you think is the most important thing for couples to understand about communicating whether it's from your personal experience or whether it's mm-hmm. from your the coaching um, that you're doing with others yeah we discussed this before uh and we had a great pre-conversation to this and i think that you know, this is what the initial question, why I think I, I liked it so much as everyone says communication is the key to great relationships. But is that true? The extension off of that is what the hell does that mean? And what does it actually look like? And I think that's where so much is going wrong and has gone wrong in my life is I've been told that communication is the answer. So I just became a great communicator or at least what I thought it was. I was just became a really good speaker. I can put my words together, right? I can flow. I can take a break and keep it silent for a second. I can not respond in the moment or sorry, not react in the moment and take some time. It's one of the things that uh, Gabby praises for me, praises me for is my ability to not respond right away and process and just sit there. And it's uncomfortable and it's silent sometimes for a few minutes, but I don't want to create conflict or heighten the experience and i also want to make sure i understand so i go silent for a few moments and part of that comes from my old habit of actually just shutting down altogether and i think that's what it can sometimes be confused as is just completely shutting down when the reality is what she knows about me to be true and what we've obviously communicated about is that i am just processing and that i am putting my words together and ensuring that this conversation is supportive and helpful to our relationship. But I have a pretty tumultuous journey with conversations and I have a pretty tumultuous journey with conflict. And even you know this too, like conflict is not something that I've really faced and and headed forward into. I've feared the hell out of it. Because for me, I always believed that conflict uh, basically meant that we are doing something wrong here and that the compatibility is just probably not there. And I also was never taught how to handle conflict well. And I don't think really any of us really were. It was something we all had to learn ourselves. So to kind of return to your question of what is the most valuable components of communication and conflict resolution within relationships? Well, first and foremost, don't let the anchor get the best of you. (laughs) Uh, I think that one is obvious. And that's actually not a a pro tip. That's speaking to myself and the, the younger version of me, the little the little lad at 18 years old who just couldn't figure out what to do with his anger. You know, those experiences make me laugh. And they also shock me of how emotional I was in those moments. And I think that what I recognize is that there are a lot of people still who are challenged with that. And I don't speak from being perfect or being beyond it. Uh, I think that one of the beautiful things about relationships is how much grace can you give your partner for their growth process? You know, I think that especially in communication and conversation, 
if there is no grace or compassion being given at any point, then it is literally just an expectation that you should have everything figured out on both sides, especially during communication. And with, in being a man in my journey, communication was, was a tough one and has been tough. Here's how I related to my life and my relationships. Feelings first, facts later. If there's really one thing that I can say about relationships that I have noticed that has been the biggest influence in my conversations with my partner is that I should be, not should be, the most crucial component is focused on their feelings and not the facts of the situation. I love that. God damn it. Write that down, people. That's great. And that's what I, what I, thank you. I think it's, it's revolutionary and in its simplicity. And that is what I think you speak, you spoke about earlier is how the first 30 seconds is where people are listening. Right. So if you can clearly and concisely and possibly even with conviction, share what you want to share just to the world or to your partner, whatever, in less than 30 seconds, then that is when they're listening. And beyond that, there's, there's too much to process sometimes. So even me speaking this long, I can't imagine a lot of people are still in tune with what I'm saying in this moment because they were listening to the first 30 seconds and then that's all they really latched onto. So that's why I think punching the, the concept home of feelings first and facts later, I'll just repeat it five times, feelings first, facts later, over and over and over again to, to land that. And I'm going to give an example so that it makes sense. I was having a, uh, a bit of a tougher morning myself one time with, with my partner and I had plans to go have coffee with a friend. And we had super busy days coming up. There was two full days. We probably wouldn't have had a, a lot of time together. And so she brought up the, her concerns with the next few days because we focus on connection above all else. So how do we stay connected? And I just remember being so lost in my own thoughts and lost in this coffee that I was about to have with a friend. And uh, she brought up this, this question or this, I guess, statement. She said, Hey, I know we're super busy over the next few days. I just want to make sure that we find time to connect in some way, shape or form, and just kind of maybe even schedule it in our planet or something. Um, I just kind of want to make sure that it's a focus for us. Okay. Now there's a lot to be heard in there, but my response was, do you not feel connected right now? my response was, well, didn't we have a great connection last night when we were having a really long conversation and dinner together? And uh, do you think that connection is not a priority for me? And as you can see, as I unfold this, these are the things that I actually said out loud, not just in my own head. <laughs> so been there, been there, man, that, that, that I, I feel that. Oh my God. And so what I've done, right, I've done that so many times in my life, what I did in that moment was I just said, I'm more focused and dialed in on the facts of the situation. And I actually don't really care about your feelings. It's not what I meant. It's just how it was expressed on my end. Because I'm over here trying to logic this situation. I'm trying to figure out the, the logic behind it of what do you mean you feel you want to focus on connection? Isn't that the logical response or the focus anyway? Of course. I would never deter myself from that or us from that. And so then I take it as a bit of a personal hit, right? As well of like, what, do you think that I'm not having the same thoughts and the same focuses as you? I focus on this relationship just as much as you, don't I? Like all of these things that I created out of this, this statement. And really what it took me 
actually not that long to do, which I was really proud of myself for is in that same conversation right before it ended, I stopped myself and I was like, feelings first, facts later, feelings first, facts later. Because what I realized is I was creating a plan of let's schedule in time and let's, oh, you know, how about we do this tonight? And I was like, plan, plan, logic, plan, plan, fix, solution, get to completion. I had to go to this coffee. I was on a time crunch. And I realized from what you said earlier, watching her facial expressions and being empathetic with that process, none of that was landing. None of that was being well-received. Mm-hmm. And so I had to stop myself because I was running myself in a damn circle and I was frustrating myself. I'm like, why can't you figure out a solution to this? Why, why can't you appease this situation? And then I said, okay, stop. Feelings first, facts later. Feelings first, facts later. What's the feeling here? What's the feeling that she's sharing with me? And really all she was saying at the end of the day, which is how we found the completion to the conversation. All she was saying was, I don't want to neglect connection over the next two days. So I'm just bringing up, Hey, like, I just, I just want to make sure it's a focus for us. If I had said, absolutely. I, 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 it's definitely focused for me too. And we will absolutely figure it out together. That would have actually ended the conversation done, done. But because I was so focused on the, the, the facts of the situation, the, the, what I felt was the logic I was one, not actually listening to her. I was focused on my response. Two, I was obviously in my own head about being a great partner and focusing on the right things and being, you know, um, that, that figure that figures things out. And um, three, I was more worried about myself than I was about the whole experience. So I was so focused on all the facts and I couldn't, I couldn't really get myself to the feelings. And that component, that story um, is just one example of where, I do, of where I've done that. And I think that communication is... Honestly, I, this is going to sound maybe deteriorating to some people. It's a lifelong journey with your partner. It doesn't matter how many times you try to fix it or get better at it, not even fix it, just get better at it, improve upon it, uh, figure out different tools and strategies. Yes, you're, you're going to get real great at it. And in one week, they're going to trigger something in you that you did not see coming. You will get angry and you will get frustrated. And some old pattern of you that existed 20 years ago is showing up whether you want it to or not. And that is what I mean by grace and compassion for the communication process within relationships is, is they're doing their best and they'll still slip. And that's the nature. That's, that's the truth. Just because you have one good conversation and you guys get through one piece of conflict, well, it does not mean you're going to get through the next one just as gracefully. Every. No experience every conversation every exchange of you know words is a new event mm-hmm. is a new experience and going back to something that you said way earlier in this conversation is in the first three seconds no i'm just kidding first, in the first few <laughs> seconds but I, I got the whole i got the whole story here but i i think it just resonates at the point that i'm making now is like there's a lot of people who fight with the old the old version of you and don't let you grow you know, mm, you're always temperamental. Amen. You always do this. You always say things like least this. Favorite statements. The worst, because how can I improve as a communicator if you keep bringing up the old way that I communicate? Mm. Or what I've noticed is those who are like, I had a really good friend tell me, you know, I, we've had conflict, we've had fights or whatever. And I remember like maybe halfway through, you know, our friendship and us growing, she was like, hey, just I want to let you know, you're getting way better at like 
the feelings versus fact, for example, or right. you're getting way better at this. Like before, you know, one of the ways she, she didn't like to share conflict. She would say that, Hey, something is wrong. She was like, Hey, something is wrong. I want to talk. And then I would call and be like, what's up? What's wrong? <laughs> and she was, and she didn't like the, the way that we would get into the conversation. Her, the, uh, she was like, I just want to like, let's just talk about our day. And then I will eventually come to and tell you what's wrong. Yeah. And I was like picking up the phone and being like, yo, what's up? I heard that. Well, what's going on? Are you good? Like, tell me the story now. You know, right. it was very much like I was forcing how she wanted to share the story, you know? Mm -hmm. And over time, I learned that, oh, she might say something is wrong, but she does. She has to, she wants to come to me with the problem. So I just need to be available, be around mm -hmm. and create enough space that she will ultimately, hey, mm -hmm. okay, so this is what was going on. And she'll get the courage to start sharing. And I started to learn how to navigate that space better of like, okay, I know something is wrong, but it's not fix it right now. It's be around, be attentive pay attention, mm -hmm. create a space. And then she will mm -hmm. kind of come into the space and lean into it. And then she'll share. And then I can get into the whether you know, do you want me to listen right now? Or do you want me to give you advice right now? Or whatever the, the case may be, right. And, and she acknowledged me for it. She was like, Hey, you hold space so much better for me now. Like, I appreciate mm -hmm. that. And when when that is someone allowing you to grow and allowing you to be in that those those spaces where you can mature and understand that you've done something wrong and maybe it's not going to work but there's people who will lean into the idea of like you're in the argument just wait for me to do something that i used to do and so you can say right. you did that you always do this you always yeah. do that and that's why it makes it feel like what's the point of even communicating with you you just nag me anyways you just don't allow mm. me to grow there's no room for growth here yeah um, it's like a preventative measure to further conversation right when it and, feels like it's like oh i'm saying the right things and you do always do this so it's like well am i not pointing out the obvious here and, and then you're like it doesn't matter i don't want to talk anymore 100 percent um another like, i mean obviously there's a lot of things that came out of that first of all golden nugget of the day feelings over facts. I genuinely believe if you can embody that, you are going to be in a way better place, regardless of whether this is an intimate partner or not. Because if you can understand the feelings of how someone is speaking to you, your answer will always be better. Whether you're going to go factually or whether you're going to go feelings wise, it's just if you're empathetic to their feelings, how you now place your tone will change right? Mm. If someone is very, very sad in the way they're expressing themselves and the feelings that you're picking up on is this individual is very sad. You might not mm. come in hot with your fix it take, you know? So just understanding somebody's feelings before you lean into what you say next, I think is very critical to successful communication. So uh, that's mm. definitely the golden nugget of the day. Um, I, I need to add something in there because I think it's important to recognize within uh, the space of especially being a man uh, in my journey is that um, I often don't actually understand how she got to that emotion. And I often don't actually empathize in a way with that emotion in the sense of I'm not taking it on myself because I, I actually don't know how, I don't feel like often I have the ability to, I don't, when she's sad, for example, I don't then all, all of a sudden feel sad because I don't feel like I'm well connected to that emotion. So then I'm just more focused on how do I get her to stop being sad, right? Like that's the, that's the generally the first concern. So then if I'm focused on her feelings, I think this is a, a um, just something that I've learned through my process is that uh, all I need to do in that scenario is be willing to try to understand that that feeling exists as a reality that that's her reality and it's not mine. 
and that is okay. We don't have to have the same reality. So if she's feeling something, then just simply saying, I, I acknowledge that you're feeling this way, or I understand that you're feeling this way, um, is you, you being willing to just address the fact that that emotion exists. Because really, a lot of the times, what a feeling is really being, what a feeling is being asked of is to be seen. That's all the feeling wants. A feeling is just looking to be seen, heard if it can, understood if it's possible. But it really just, it wants to be acknowledged in some way at all points for all of us as humans. It just wants to be acknowledged. And a lot of people, unfortunately, manipulate that process, uh, as we all know. But uh, at the same time, like in that process, in that space, it's just you don't have to um, know what it feels like. And why I say this is because I think that there's this huge narrative running around that um, you have to understand your own feelings to understand somebody else's. You have to be well-connected to your own to be well-connected to others. And yes, that's true. But in conversation, if you feel that pressure, it's not working. You won't get to any actual uh, help in that conversation because you're like, I don't feel that emotion. So I don't know what you're feeling. I, this didn't make me angry. So how could it make you angry? Which That's it right there too. That's a big one. Right. The, the idea that how you, that like you're, you're analyzing, you see the feeling on their face. You're like, but that would never make me sad. And then you start trying to con convert them to being like, you shouldn't be sad because X, Y, Z facts, facts, right. facts. And then it, that's where it all goes wrong. That's mm -hmm. where the communication line has been officially busted. That bridge is broken. Right. It's, you know, you're trying to justify how a human being feels based on your upbringing, your perspective of life, how you would perceive something. And if that doesn't resonate, and then we, we go around looking for partners or looking for people that like, you're like, I want you to act to this situation, how mm -hmm. I act in this situation. And that's where no one's honoring anybody's journey or anybody's mm -hmm. feeling. There's no empathy there. There's no understanding there. Um, right. So yeah, I just wanted to add that in there. Cause yeah, I think yeah. a big place that we live in is this idea of like, what the hell you're angry that that pissed you off. Then you get comments like, you know, you know, the world's starving, right? And you know, that, that there's this there and trying to convert you into not right. feeling how you're feeling. And exactly. that's really shitty, especially men and women. We have a lot of different crazy feelings. So men mm -hmm. trying to understand how women feel and women trying to understand how men feel massive disconnect naturally already, you know, it's hard. Yeah. They're trying to convert us to feeling like, you know, you shouldn't feel like that. You should feel like it's, you should be able to share your feelings. I'm like, that's right. a bit more complicated than that. And we're like, why are you always crying? Like, that doesn't make any sense. There's mm -hmm. a lot more complicated than that. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I agree. And that's, that is a great example of, of our projection of our own insecurity. That is where I think the importance of trying to get better at understanding your own emotional intelligence. And, and one of the words that we've, I've tried to use more often is the emotional literacy. Like what are the words that actually describe what you're saying or feeling? What are the words to that? Put, put some language to that. Um, and then that helps you understand it better. But in that process, yeah, it's, it, we have to be weary of projecting our own insecurity around our lack of connection to our own emotion. And that is why I say it's not a prerequisite, but if it comes out that way, then it becomes one. Right? It's not a mandatory part of conversation if you can't empathize with somebody's feelings. However, you can still hold the space of understanding. If you hold that space of understanding, it doesn't mean you connect deeper with your own feelings. It means you're, you've stopped denying theirs. And what you said earlier with this, this person you were speaking of is space. You kept using the word space. And then she came to you and said, 
you know, you hold such great space and you've made progress. Really, I think for me, what I hear her saying is you, you created safety. You created safety for me. And that I think is honestly, I'm going to call it a prerequisite and a mandatory component of conversation with anyone. If no one feels safe to talk, they're not talking. And that includes us as men. If there isn't a safe space to feel like you can share, and this is the hilarious part of vulnerability, right? Men are looking for the safe space to share. There it is. Safety, the importance of feeling safe, especially when it comes to your intimate partner, because if she doesn't feel safe, she feels like you're going to fix it. She's not talking to you. She's not going to open up. That safety needs to come from not fixing and a seeking to understand, not a seeking to solve. And that's hard. Don't get me wrong. That's hard shit. Um, but that safety is so important. And speaking directly to men, I think what that safety is, is um, you not manipulating what I'm about to share to you to make me feel like less of a man. Mm. That's what I think safety means for, for men being vulnerable is, mm. can I share how I actually feel with this person without them stripping me of what I perceive to be a man? Mm-hmm. Are you going to manipulate what I'm saying into degrading me, you know, mm-hmm. into making me feel less of a man? Because if I can go into a conversation as a man feeling like a strong man that's going through problems, then I engage in this conversation. I leave the conversation still feeling like a man that mm-hmm. just has problems. Then that is a safe space for a man. Yeah. But if I come into this conversation feeling like a man with problems and I leave not feeling like a man anymore then that's where that's what I'm worried about is going into this conversation, sharing some things that now you can't look at me as a man anymore. You don't Mm -hmm. see the strength in me anymore. You see me as weak. You see me as unable. You see me as unworthy because on the backside of that, all we hear is women want stability, a strong man. They want this, they want that. So what I might share might strip me of these qualities that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And the hard part about that narrative too, is that what are you even saying when you say that? What do you mean you want stability and safety and all this stuff? Like there's a lot of requests being had in regards to the general scope of what a relationship should look like. And I I think a lot of people are very misunderstood in their own wants and desires and and what it actually looks like for them. Some people want a physically demandingly strong human to provide that safety. And that's it. That's your niche. That's your thing. Do your thing. Other people want an incredibly safe, um, emotionally human. I think really we all are looking for a safe emotionality, but um, that's, that's what you're looking for. And knowing a, the difference between the two and B, if that's actually what you want. um, I think that there's a general scope of expectation that I want stability. It's like, yeah, but a lot of people really don't give an actual flying F about your, your financial stability, but don't, aren't we quick to jump there? Aren't we quick to say that's the only way you provide stability? I don't think so. So we're so focused on as men in financial stability, but what about emotional stability? What about stability within ourself? Or is no one seeking that? No. So why would I? Feeling stable and safe within myself is not something that's sought after. So why would I focous on that? But oh my gosh, what the the glory of of all beautiful life would come from that if that was something that was actually being asked of us? What a change. We wouldn't be so driven to just create financial freedom or financial stability. So much to be said about consistency, being available, being around. That all is stability. Mm -hmm. Being there for somebody. 
oftentimes in life, it's not about having the answer as much as it is being available, Mm -hmm. being available for somebody and being intentional. Hey, I'm here to help. I don't know how to help. Mm. That's powerful. Don't only lean into the areas in which you're hundred percent capable of solving. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, if you think about some of the biggest pains that we go through in life, grief, what do you say to somebody who just lost somebody? Does anybody have the right words for that? Right. All we do is show up. All we do is show the person I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. If you need me, I'm right here. And oftentimes and- in, in life, that's what being a man is, is mm-hmm. showing up with what, whatever tools you have and just saying I'm here. That's all that matters is I'm here. And a lot of women, a lot of relationships, that's what they're looking for is will you be here when it matters? And that doesn't have any prerequisite of a financial amount in your bank account or a physical strength level, or that's just availability. Mm Mm-hmm. And it goes back to what you were saying earlier and something that I am glad is coming full circle is, uh, you know, sometimes that's not going to be enough for people um, and, and that's okay. And that's out of your control. And that's where the importance of, of being in a space, whether it's with friendship, family, partner, whatever, um, where the person is willing to meet you where you are today, not where you were yesterday. And this is a, such a huge component of communication. I feel like for relationships is when you wake up this morning with your partner, you have to really understand that you are not dating the person that they were yesterday. You are dating, you are in love with, you are learning to love the person they, sh- they woke up as today. And I guarantee you it ain't going to be the same person they were yesterday. Emotionally, physically, stability wise, growth wise, whatever it is, they're different. And that is one of the biggest conflicts in relationship is why are you not the way you used to be? Why are you not the same person you were a week ago? You handled conflict great then, and you're not handling conflict great today. It's like, I hear you. I hear that complaint. And that's not how relationships work. With any, not even just intimate, with you and I too. Like learning to be your friend and love you as who you are today and not who I met you as a year ago is one of the most fundamental components as to why we are able to continue to engage with each other. If I tried to appreciate who you were then and not appreciate who you are now, we probably wouldn't be doing this because I've had to learn as you learn. I've had to learn as you grow. And that is just for me, when I learned that, that was just revolutionized my experience with my partners and just with anyone. It's just allowing that space for growth um, and learning, being willing to learn. Like, I mean, like a hip hop culture example of that is, you know, all the old Kanye West fans, they, they like the old Kanye, they don't like the new Kanye. And it's just uh, like, fair. imagine being Kanye, you know what I mean? It's like the world isn't, and that's just, that's a, that's a problem in hip hop, right? That's just, that's just what it is. Mm. is everyone is nostalgic with music. You know, it's, you know, that's something that artists are always trying to overcome is that, you know, they often say your first album is your best album because it's the first time the world's heard you the first yeah. time you put a project together. And then it's just this constant battle of trying to appreciate them um, as they evolve as artists, as they mm. evolve as people. And we struggle to love that because of the, the lust period that is the first album. You know, the mm-hmm. first time you connect, the first time you had, you make love, the first time you guys are intimate, all the fireworks of like meeting each other. It takes, it takes a lot of effort and appreciation and honoring the journey to continue to love album two, album mm-hmm. three, album four, album five, and being able to appreciate that person's like 
risk-taking ability, that person's uh, aim to be, to grow, you know? So often in life, if, if you're like so in love with somebody's first album and you're noticing that you can't, you're struggling to relate to the second album or struggling to relate to the third album, what you're doing there is that it could be a personal block. It could be your willingness to let go of nostalgia, your willingness to like let go of what was old and accept what is new. Um, it also could be that person could be evolving in a, in a trajectory that, you know, isn't aligned with you. You know, if you like this person for R&B R &B, and then they made a country album, like that makes sense. You're like, I never liked mm -hmm. you for the art. I never liked you for country. This is way out of the scope okay. of what I like, you know. Um, but I think that's where, you know, communication comes into play, right, is understanding the nuances of like, hey, why did you take that approach to the second album? Mm -hmm. You know, and then learning and understanding how they're thinking about that you know instead of just judging it being like oh, your second mm -hmm. album was kind of trash you know hey why did you take that approach you know i noticed that in your first album the one that i really liked you did this and this and this in the second album you did this i'm curious like why did you take that approach mm. and they could be like i wanted to try this i wanted i cannot i feel like this about me and then that's where you start to learn about people's insecurities and you start to learn about you know how people think and these questions in these conversations removing judgment and replacing it with curiosity creates mm -hmm. way more powerful conversations creates way more connection um and so instead of leading with judgment lead with that curiosity and ask a question to better understand why someone might have taken a left versus a right um, and you'll get a better answer you'll get a better in-depth understanding of why that decision came to be and then you can make a decision on if you if if that thought process is one that you're like i don't know how i feel about how you're thinking about that mm -hmm. you know and then you can unpackage that and now that's a new conversation but you see how leading leading with curiosity versus judgment can lead to better conversations I wanted to share an embarrassing story because <laughs> it goes back to the feelings and facts thing. And it, it took me like, like I acted this certain way. And it maybe took me a couple of years later to understand, like, Ooh, even though I knew in the moment, that's not how I wanted to communicate, but I just felt so deeply. I was like, the facts were so true that I was like, <laughs> I was like, I would do it again, uh, yeah. you know, cause the facts are so legitimate, but the yeah. neglect, I neglected her feelings so bad that it was just the biggest, one of the biggest L's. <laughs> so going back to the story, I'm, I'm like freshly like 18, 19, learning to live on my own. And I like the checklist of my priorities in life are so I got to go to school. I got to work. I'm on a CIS, but I'm on a, you know, a college basketball team. Um, I need to train two times a day, you know, and then I'm in this new relationship, this girl that I met and, you know, she's along for the journey. And she essentially, you know, same thing with your partner being like, I, I, you know, I don't want to neglect connection what she was trying to communicate was, Hey, you have a busy, hectic schedule. Like I'm a human being who needs attention as well. Like as much as all these things are, you know, priorities, you need to do these things. I'm a part of these priorities, hopefully. And mm -hmm. to me, what I was hearing was that she wanted me to put my priorities behind her. Like she wanted mm -hmm. me to put her first mm -hmm. and all of these things that I'm struggling with that I need to continue to do. Um, that she wanted me to put them on the back burner and my brain, the process of, and I'm thinking like, if I don't pass university or get a degree, my career is shot. If I don't go to work, I can't pay for rent. I have to go to work. Rent, work pays for my life. I need to play basketball. I'm a captain of this basketball team. And that might mean putting in extra hours, putting in extra shots, which is all hours of the day being taken away from creating any intimacy or any connection with anybody else, right? And I remember not having the right words. And this, this kind of 
goes to show like my willingness to just have the conversation and deal with the aftermath. You know, I wasn't perfect. And I just remember sitting her down and being like, listen, I don't think you understand how my life works. So like, let me lay it out for you. My priorities are this. <laughs> and here comes the nasty man fact version of the conversation. So I list it out. I go, listen, <laughs> if I don't go to work, I can't afford to pay rent and I'll be homeless. So work is my number one priority in terms of schedules. I have to have a working schedule because it pays for my rent. I have to go to university and go to class because it's the only way I can be on this basketball team. So I got to go to class. I got to prioritize school. I, I got to, I got to be at school. I'm in school to play basketball. I would never even be in school if it wasn't for basketball. So if, why would I even go to class if I didn't care so much about basketball? It's my passion. It's my biggest passion. And I'm going to do whatever I need to do to be the best ba basketball player. That might mean two practices a day. That might mean this. I'm like, you come forth on my list of priorities. And so when I get through the first three and I'm like, I'm just dialing it in. I'm like, you're fourth. And I'm like, listen, there's going to be a time in my life where I'm not playing basketball anymore. And you might be third now, you know, and I'm not going to be in school anymore. You might be second. But right now, the way my priorities are is I have this much time for you. And you're like fourth in the way I think about things. Now, you could only imagine how that freaking landed. That that <laughs> was not what she wanted to hear. I got a call from her friend being like, are you a dumbass? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and it took me so long to even just because I was so ingrained in the facts. And even to this day, I'm sharing them to you. I'm like, I still felt that way yeah. at the time. Like those totally. were the facts. But that like all I needed to understand was by priorities or I need attention. She was like, you need to make more time within this schedule. You can keep your priorities as one, two, and three. Maybe don't share them with me. Like as if I'm some, well, maybe, not, yeah. Yeah, maybe keep that to your goddamn <laughs> self, but you need to make me feel like a priority. And you can do that in a many different ways. This could be <laughs> absolutely going to hang out for an hour in between the two practices that I have, you know, being like, Hey, I got a quick hour. Let's go grab some lunch. Right. And you said it beautifully, that connection, all that, you know, relationships really matter is like, go ahead and trailblaze your life the way you want, but make me feel like I'm connected to this process. You know, totally. whether that's taking moments out, small little moments of like, all right, cool. I haven't, you know, we haven't had a date in a while. Like I got to get a date in here. I got to prioritize in that connection so that when you feel like you're away from them, you know, they feel like, yeah, yeah, we're still, we're good here. We're literally attached to the hips, even though this person mm -hmm. is blazing their own trail. Right. And for her, it was like, it would go two, three weeks of feeling disconnected, which would create irritation for her. And then she would vocalize something in a very dramatic way. Like, you don't give me any attention, like blah, 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 blah. And then you would get defensive being like, I'm busy. Like, what are you talking right. about? Right. And this is where I think that I'll repeat it again. Golden nuggets, guys. If I understood her feelings at the time, I wouldn't have leaned into so I, I wouldn't have leaned into the facts. And sometimes mm -hmm. Same with, you know, your partner coming up to you being like, hey, I want to be connected. What we get so fixated on is this idea of why are you bringing this up to me? Exactly. Why is this relevant right now? And yeah. then you go into your fact thing being like, you shouldn't, this shouldn't be a conversation that we're having because are we not connected right now? Right. Are we not connected tomorrow? So we get so caught up <laughs> on why are we talking about this? You know, because I think as a man, sometimes it's like when people are bringing up things that are maybe are conflict related or we think that it's like you're bringing it up as if i'm not doing that now or exactly. that as if it's like something that you're bringing up as like a this is a concern i'm having right now which means that like but i'm doing something wrong yeah i'm doing something wrong right so 
I'll never, I never, I always, you know, the whole feelings and facts thing subconsciously, I didn't have the right words for it, but the lesson that I learned that day mm. uh, by expressing myself with such facts and still being so committed to the facts that it took me yeah. years later to understand that I, I neglected feelings there. That's what I did. Mm. Uh, and the facts can be right. The facts can be right all day and you can find facts to validate how you're feeling all the time, but that doesn't change shit mm -hmm. because to be in a successful relationship, like you said, the feelings have to come first and the facts have to come second. Mm -hmm. Yep. Amen. Amen. Well said. Great story. Great story. I love, I love hearing those kinds of examples because uh, they're just so um, it, in hindsight, 2020, they're like, damn, like the obviousness of that experience is like, how did I even get there? <laughs> like, you just feel like a dummy. You just feel silly looking back and being like, how could I have done that? But, uh, you know, there's so much to pull out there. And I, I'm going to share a piece of that in my final kind of uh, question thing here. But I just want to say thank you for sharing, because I think that owning the challenges that we've had in relationships, I have actually found that a lot of people are not a fan of. Um, they, the, a lot of people I've noticed don't like to share the details of their relationships, because it seems as if there's this golden aura over relationships in this world and everyone has to have the perfect one and if you don't then you're deemed a piece of shit which is not true but it's just this pressure that we have which is why no one's having conversations about it nor are they willing to actually work on it because if you have to work on it that must mean something is wrong and you suck so you got to do something about it don't you it's, it's this hilarity of it. we're so good with oh i'm gonna focus on me and do me and we get in a relationship we're like i ain't working on that I ain't working on that thing, but I'm working on me, but I ain't working on that. And the hilarity of the hypocrisy is just, it makes me laugh. Uh, but I think what we've come to find in this conversation at the beginning, we said, everyone says communication is the most important thing in relationships. We've both agreed with that. Yes, that's true. 100% relationships with everybody and relationships with yourself included. Communication is still the key. Uh, and what does that even mean or look like? I think that we gave great ideas and insight into what that looks like which leads me into uh, the final PQ that we have for today. So I'm going to leave this with you to start. So we ask some of our guests sometimes this question of uh, the idea of somebody comes to you on your deathbed. We're going to switch it up a bit and just keep it simple. Anwar, if someone came to you and said, man, I'm just struggling to communicate and I'm, I'm looking for ways uh, that you could support me on how to become a better communicator, what would you say? I would say a couple things. I would say, I would say one first thing is to be a good communicator. You got to be a good listener. First things first, that's just something I know to be facts. Um, cause if you're not listening, it's, we all been there where you're talking to somebody who's not listening and you know, there's never a good conversation that comes from that. There's never a good, you know, you're not unable to communicate yourself cause you're like, what's mm -hmm. the point of this? You're not even listening. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think re being a really good communicator um, involves being a really good listener. Um, that's number one. Number two is um, emotional intelligence. I think the best communicators are the ones that understand the emotions of the conversation. You know, what are we talking about here? How do you feel? How do I feel? Um, and, you know, being able to, and I think emotional intelligence is important because sometimes you're going to say things that, you know, are going to land ugly on somebody. If you can recognize that it lands ugly, you can change the trajectory of that conversation. 
But if you're unaware of how you're making people feel with how you're talking, then you're in a very, very, very risky situation, right? Mm -hmm. Cause you're just talking, you're not acknowledging how somebody's feeling based on how you're talking. Um, and I, yeah, I, th I think it was like a TikTok I was, uh, I was watching somebody said this and it was just such a simple thing. And it was just like, you are always making somebody feel something with your presence. Mm -hmm. Those who are in tune with that, whether you're making someone feel uncomfortable or whether you're making someone feel safe or whether you're making someone feel like you are always by breathing, you are always making somebody feel something about you, whether there's it's, it's communicated or not. Right. And when you're tuned into that, that's where you, you know, you, you're maybe your toxic masculinity traits. If you're aware that oh, I'm like same way, like in, at nighttime, if you're walking behind, you know, a woman very closely, it's like, you're making her feel something, whether you know or not. And when you're in tune with that as a guy of how you're making people feel with your presence, you know, and being able to navigate that presence with grace, communication, talking, how many times have you met a guy who is absolutely jacked, right? Huge jacked. He's standing somewhere. You're behind him. You're like, holy, this guy's probably like really intimidating and scary or something like you're formulating all these perceptions of how you feel about how he he's looking or he's presenting. He turns around. He's just the nicest guy. He's like, mm -hmm. Hey, how are you, man? Like, you know, so gentle, so kind. And it's, it's being aware of that presence, being aware of how your presence might be perceived by your our surroundings. And that takes a high level of emotional intelligence. So mm -hmm. I think that when you're aware of that presence, um, you're able to communicate effectively um, and you're able to just read faces better. Um, so, you know, being a great listener, you know, understanding what emotional intelligence is, whether you're good at it now or not, you know, continuously getting better at, you know, how do my words affect people? Um, and then last thing, I think it does take a self-awareness of like understand emotional intelligence kind of starts with yourself, you know, understanding your own feelings, mm. understanding how Amen. things like land on you, you know, cause if you're able to, you know, when they, when you look at the emotional intelligence chart, it's like understanding your own emotions and then understanding other people's emotions. There's like a, mm. a, a reflect there. So, you know, taking time to even be able to understand what, how you feel about stuff, you know? Uh, cause then that will allow you to be like, that like some of the best communicators I ever, you know, talk to are the ones that are just like, oh man, I really feel like I understand, like I, I hear you, like I understand what you're saying, or I feel what you're saying. And when, when it feels genuine, it's like, oh damn, this person hears me, sees me, feels me. Cool. Next thing, whatever you say next, I'm, I'm here because you're, mm -hmm. you've acknowledged you. And it is easier when you actually can feel what they're saying, you know, when yeah. you, when you're not pretending, when you're not like, oh, you know, and sometimes you don't, sometimes you're like, you know what, I don't, I don't, I don't know personally how it feels to be sad in this environment, but I can appreciate that you're sad, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that, that ultimately just by understanding who you are, you can communicate better. That is effective communication right there is I don't understand. Right. I don't know uh, why this would make you sad personally. Um, but I can understand why you're sad or, um, you know, I could relate or empathize or whatever the case may be. Um, and then the last thing I would say is just, you know, don't worry about being perfect. Mm. don't worry about being perfect it's, it's not well worth said. it because if you're worried about being perfect then you're going to lean into silence more often than not um mm. you know often they say about business it's like don't wait for the business to be 100 percent. get it to 70 launch make your adjustments as you fly let the world let the world tell you what to change because if mm. you're chasing 100 you'll never get it done you'll never get you'll never start 70 is a good enough starting point if you get 70 percent of the process good to go 
let it rock and let the world tell you what to do with the last 30% there. And you can kind of tailor it and adjust it to kind of fit the market better. And I think the same thing is true with communication. You're feeling something, you mm. feel about 70% ready for the conversation, let it fly. Mm. Um, don't worry about being perfect. Um, and ultimately you can always, you know, change the course of a conversation with another conversation. So if it doesn't go right, you can always fix it. Um, mm. Well said. Well, those would be my takeaways. Well said. Damn. The whole dissertation there of power. If y'all ever taking notes, y'all messed up. You can go back. Don't worry. You can just rewind a little bit. This is in your pocket. Uh, power. Power, brother. Power. I appreciate you sharing. Uh, what was the question again? Damn, I was so lost in your, in your, in your stuff. I'm struggling to communicate. I'm looking for support on how to be a better communicator. What would I say? Uh, I've always loved the concept of communication. So I feel like it's been, like you said, a journey of just constantly learning how to figure out how to be better in conflict, uh, how to be a better communicator, how to speak better, how to listen better. Uh, and you just, you learn one way and you swing the pendulum, right? I'm never trying to figure out how to be a bet better communicator. So I just said, I'm going to learn how to be a better speaker. And it literally, who knew that I was so focused on the, in so many ways, the wrong side of the equation. Like how to be a great speaker, you know, so much, so much of the time, it's so much less about what you say. Uh, and it's about just kind of what you understand or address or what, how you're listening. So, uh, I, you know, I have to leave one of the biggest ones with this conversation is feelings first, facts later. I have to, that I'm going to repeat that over and over and over again, fact, feelings first and facts later. Uh, it's one of my favorite concepts because I also think it's got a nice little ringy, ringy dingy tune to it. Feelings first, facts later. And it just reminds you that the facts actually don't matter right now. They can matter and they do, but they don't matter in this moment. Have a conversation about the feelings, address that. And then you can talk about the facts when it's appropriate, because the facts for you are much different than they are with the facts for them. Your reality is not the same. And that is why the facts don't work if you start, because you're fighting realities and that doesn't work. Which leads me into my next takeaway, uh, if someone were to be looking for a better communicator, um, is focus much more on um, collaboration than, comp than competing. Focus on collaborating rather than competing. And this is very applicable for me and also my intimate relationships. Uh, but it's the same thing even with you and I. If I am focused on ensuring that my answer is the answer that we run with, then I am not worried about the actual outcome being the best for anyone. I'm just worried about my ego being served. Reality check, fellas. We love competition. We love. do this all the time too. And it's such a huge thing within relationships and has been in mine. Um, and something that we continue to work at and learn and understand is that uh, we feel like we're competing to be better understood. We're competing to be better heard. We're competing to be more seen. And we're competing to validate our experience as the truth of the experience. That all of that combined just basically creates more conflict. We're, we're heightening this experience. We're bringing more emotion into this. We're making it harder for ourselves to get to a common ground, to get to complete, uh, to get to zero and back to a safe space where then maybe we can have a conversation about facts. Uh, but focusing more on collaborating means not sacrificing self, not sacrificing your own needs and wants. It's you're important and I'm important. How do we mutually get both of our important importance handled? You're important. I'm important. But this doesn't work right now. That might work later. 
I got a crazy week, but I want to connect. Let's schedule something on Saturday. Cause I know we need to make sure we do that. Um, that's important to me too. And, Oh, you need this to be done in the morning. I got you. No worries. I can spare 10 minutes to accommodate this, right? Like figuring out how it works for the benefit of both always. And I know that might sound weird, but the way I see it in, at least in intimate relationships is if you're in conflict with someone and you're focusing on competing, that means there's a win loss, right? Obvious. Now, if you lose in this argument, well, then you actually don't feel good about the argument. And you also don't feel good about the next steps, right? The way I phrase it is in a relationship, if um, you lose, or sorry, if you win and your partner loses, um, beautiful, you won. But guess what also loses? The relationship. Because what's happening when they lose, or even when you lose, is resentments being built. Because there is this idea that somebody is better than in the relationship. And no one's better in a relationship than the other. At least there shouldn't be. But this is the interesting part about relationships. We get in them to fix. We get in them to show that I can fix you. I can help you. I can help you become better. Whole different conversation, but I know that's a huge one. Um, and then, uh, I just want to leave them or leave all y'all with some questions. Uh, I think that I can give statements and ideas and practices for the rest of my days. Um, but I think that the most important work you'll ever do is the work you do for yourself by yourself. So I'm just going to leave you with a few questions that I love. Um, they're really simple. Here it goes. First one is, uh, my current relationship to conflict can be described as. Again, going back to your own relationship with everything always. What is your current relationship to conflict? What does that look like? To lead off that question, growing up, conflict looked like. Because that's going to determine a lot of how you handle conflict today. This one I love is from, essentially, I got from Will Smith's book, because the idea was profound. Growing up, I typically responded to conflict by, and insert one of the words of fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Because that gives you more context is not how necessarily conflict looked like. Because when conflict looks like something in your upbringing, it's saying I'm looking at something being handled, not you're handling something. So this is I typically responded to conflict by fighting. Or I typically responded by flighting, by leaving the situation or freezing or fawning. For me, it was freeze. I froze up. Uh, and because I, I didn't know how to handle it. And that's also what I noticed my family did too. So I just modeled that behavior. So growing up, I typically responded to conflict by. And just beginning that, that space of self-awareness is, I think for me, just one of the most important things that we can do. And I'm not going to leave you with any other questions. It's just those three. And I remember asking someone this, this time when he's like, okay, now what? And I'm like, now what is not nothing? You've now understood what your relationship to conflict is, how you respond to conflict and why you respond to conflict. Now the choice is yours. Repeat the pattern or don't. Repeat the pattern or don't and find a new one. I'm not gonna tell you what the new one is. That's not my role. It's not anybody's role. You're the one who wants to handle conflict differently. You're the one who wants to communicate differently. So it's on you and you have the answer. I don't know is the victimhood mentality. You, you always know, saying I don't know doesn't work. I'm getting on a rant. Answer those questions, and I promise you your relationship to communication and conflict will improve. So that's the end of the conversation, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. That was a good, solid, powerful, insightful conversation around communication, the importance of conversation, and conflict resolution. 
you know, there's a lot to pull at there. And we could have probably talked for three hours, four hours, five episodes, but uh, we chose to kind of get it down into some golden nuggets. So thank you so much for joining us. Y'all are absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for allowing us to reach 7,000 downloads. Be sure to subscribe, download, and share. Also, don't forget to rate. Spotify has a new rating system. We would appreciate it because it allows us to reach more men and grow this audience and just create a larger community of people supporting men and the development of their masculinity. So thank you. We appreciate you. And we'll see you in the next episode. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe, and if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember, the K, it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week.